Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Uh, you're tuning in. This is the second half of the Tokyo SOS uh, podcast. Again, we had to break it into two halves because of a furious, unplanned uh, argument that broke out between Nate and myself uh, in the first half of the episode. Um, I, you know, I can't really describe it. You're just going to have to go back and listen to it if you haven't heard it. But for those of you who have, and uh, now you want to hear the second half, here it is. Um, once again, we are joined by Christoph Bacon, whose presence is uh, present, and uh, he says things uh, occasionally. So it's you know it's it's uh, it's a communal thing. We're all we're all in this together, and uh, we we appreciate him uh, volunteering uh, to be on the show. And that's uh, you know I think that's fine. That's. Uh, that's great. Um, so anyways, without further ado, we get started with this uh, month of May here in 2014, a very important month for Godzilla fans. Welcome back to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> so now, for minute five in the film. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the the nephew, Yoshi, is a mechanic on Kiru. Kojo. Kojo. Chujo. Well, Chujo, they call him Yoshi, don't Yo- they? Oh, yeah, Yoshi, Chujo, sorry. Uh, Yoshi is easier for me to remember, so I'm going to call him that. Um, Does he lay eggs? Oh, man. <laughs> I think Yoshi's Island is still the number two greatest Mario game ever behind, obviously, Mario 3. Well, it's definitely a number two in my life. <sighs> Jesus. Anyways, um, so yeah, Yoshi tells his superiors. Actually, Grandpa goes straight to the Prime Minister. Yeah, because they're just great buds. Well, <laughs> it, it kind of, it show, what it shows me, that they at least kept records yeah. of when, like, Mothra, the movie... From 1961 happened, mm-hmm. and they like remembered that this guy had some involvement and importance in that, and that sort of makes sense that he would be able if like if if anyone was to say something, let's at least hear out this guy because he had some deep involvement with it. As he says, he was a translator on the expedition, which was headed by Nelson, <laughs> uh, and um, so yeah, let's at least listen to him. So that makes. A kind of sense. Mm. Uh, does it make as much sense when the prime minister is just like, "Well, listen to this asshole. What Martha's going to come and get us? I don't believe you. You know, <laughs> you know. Why would I believe the one guy who's ever had direct contact with Mothra about Mothra stuff? Get out of here, crazy old man. Mm. You know that is not quite as believable. I think if I were the prime prime minister and the like, one of the main involved people with a Megalodon uh, came to me and was like, hey, there's, you know, these fairies. They came to my house this last weekend. They said Mothra might be coming back to wipe us out again. I think I would, like, hear him out and, like, probably say, like, there's at least a chance that's going to happen, you know. Um, Especially with that, the fact that they had just lost those two jets from the opening scene. Yeah. From, like, a couple weeks earlier. They're like, oh, that makes sense. That obviously was Mothra. But never mind. This prime minister, maybe they didn't tell him about that. Or maybe he just forgot about it. 
Hey, he's busy running a big country. Yeah, exactly. Third largest economy. Actually, at that time, second largest economy in the world. So, so, yeah, they they kind of get into the um, the running of Kiru for for a while. Uh, Uh, Yoshi briefly meets uh, Akane and the previous uh, crew members from Godzilla against Mechagodzilla. Um, And Akane has grown. And she briefly meets with uh, Yoshi. Uh, she she sees the other side of the mountain. She sees why Kiru, you know, why it's both an asset, but it's also a great danger. It's a great threat. It's something we should probably, at least according to the theology of this film, get rid of. You know, and Yoshi has not yet reached that point. So at this point, it then becomes Yoshi's growth. Uh, he, he has Akane to... has grown as much as she can as a character. Yeah. It's time for Yoshi's journey. Exactly. So this is a handing off of the colors, as we yeah. would say. I think that's a phrase. It, it is interesting, and I wonder if that actress had to go do something else, or if, like... Because, you know, this could still be her movie. There's yeah. other things you can do with Akane. I mean, I think it's a plus that the stupid girl from the last one, Sara, is not in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently she's moved on to other things. Maybe taking care of the plant became a full-time gig. We don't know yet. Uh, it moves when you touch it, you know. That's <laughs> It moved. Uh, but Akane is still a very viable main character choice, but she's like, no, I don't, you know what, I'm done. I'm through here. I'm, I have to walk away, or whatever, which I thought was Well, they were going to training in the United States. I think... What really happened is, because this was a rush production, it's like, okay, we can't go into the same depth that we could the last time. We just don't have the time to write that type of script. Mm-hmm. What we could do is is create another character that does have to grow, but does not have to take quite the same journey. So that way, we have plenty of action to keep the audience entertained, and just enough story to keep you engaged with the characters. So that's why it does not seem as rich as Godzilla against Mechagodzilla, but at the same time, it is engaging. Right. There's there's, there's an epic quality to Godzilla against Mechagodzilla that's not in this one. Mm -hmm. It feels like a bigger story, somehow. Even though, technically, there's more action in this movie. Yes. Um, Anyways, yeah, so she exits stage left... And he's left to, uh, he's, he's on the observation deck looking at Kiru, which has just been ordered to have its final uh, checkup by the Prime Minister and his, his associates, which I, we were informed will take two weeks. Um, so it's all very, very... Uh, at some point, a Kamibus uh, carcass washes up on the shore of some area in Japan. Of course, this is a snapping turtle that has been mutated by the space amoeba, yep. if you've seen that film. And they actually discuss very briefly the character from the main character from Space Amoeba, um, Dr. His name escapes me at this point. I think it starts with a Y. But anyways, they, they actually talk about the plot of Space Amoeba for like two seconds, which is like, oh, okay. So I guess that happens yeah. as well. So the, uh, the retcon keeps reconfiguring itself. They put together that the Godzilla is still Godzilla alive. killed this thing. Yeah, it's the only thing that could have killed it. But was that scene really necessary? Well, like, I'm I mean, leaning towards no. 
I think there could have been a better way to introduce the fact. I mean, I, I think it's because we as the audience already know Godzilla is still mm-hmm. there. I think it was the maybe the only way to add kind of another monster at the same time inform the main characters that Godzilla is still here. Because they, I guess, in this point, don't know whether Godzilla is alive or died. You know, in fact, later when Godzilla does appear in Tokyo, they actually have to confirm that this is the same Godzilla. Right. Which I thought was a very interesting line. Yeah. Because I guess... uh, this is has only been the second Godzilla since the the 1954 one was melted down to its yeah. bones, and now they're using that for Kiru. And, and they they briefly mentioned that like other monsters have appeared, but just not of the same virility. Yeah. yeah. That, so um, yeah. I also like the fact that they remembered how fucked up Godzilla was at the end of the last one. How he was, his chest was actually torn open, yeah, and yeah. you could see muscles and and like blood and gore kind of coming out, and that that actually had to heal. Um, it's nice. It's nice. You get a, a nice little continuity with these movies that you didn't really get with like yeah. the uh, the Showa ones, where it's just like, wow, now Godzilla's on Monster Island. I guess I don't know what's happening. Basically, Godzilla's making his way back to Tokyo, and um, the fairies have visited various parties, telling them not to use Kiru anymore. And things are sort of coming to a head. Um, Yoshi briefly has a fight with uh, the new commander of the Kiru, uh, who, once again, is like a young hormone and, you know, uh, job-crazed military person who's just like... Yeah, why does he hate him again? I I don't know. Because he's... Because when they did this scene last time, in the last movie, it was because, uh, you know... Akane had accidentally murdered the crew, and now she was piloting, you know, uh, Mechagodzilla. But I, I, why does this guy hate Yoshi? I, for well, no he, he hates Yoshi because his because uh, uncle had briefly mentioned what the fairies had told yes. the prime minister, and uh, as we find out later, this young military man, his father, is a higher up in the Dayat or ah, in the, yes. the military mm-hmm. uh, council. Um, which is why the father apologizes on behalf of the son for his son's rude behavior. Basically, the son wants to achieve the same greatness the former Kiru group did. So that's why there's some friction. A little unbelievable, but this is pulp storytelling, so there you go. Uh, So then there once again becomes the question of, will Mothra actually save us? That's brought up again. Uh, But before they really have time to play with that, uh, Godzilla strikes tokyo uh grandpa realizes that grandson is no longer around so he goes to chase for grandson he finds grandson at school making the mothra symbol out of desks yes running around perfectly by the way yeah yeah and you're supposed to be his grandfather like why don't you grab him and run away (laughs) and how is it that mothra (laughs) is called by desk being lined up for this symbol. Like, really? How is like how is that possible? Well, I mean, you can't do the Mothra symbol like Batman, you know? It, it would yeah. just, that would be too stupid. This is just kind of stupid. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's pretty dangerous that this kid has 
the power to call Mothra like what? with the symbol, and then that Does says that to mean- me that this kid, this the man, Grandpa, could have called Mothra at any time. <laughs> <laughs> he could have just been, you know, could have been 1984. He could have been out, you know, mowing the lawn, just reminiscing about the good old days and Coast City and Relisica. Oh yeah. And then we saved everybody by putting that symbol, you know. And oh, oh, he looks down. He's accidentally mowing the Mothra symbol into the yard. And before he has a chance to, you know, cover it up, oh, Mothra's instantly there and destroys 40 city blocks. Thanks a lot, our trusted friend and protector, Mothra. Come on, man. I do think uh, Godzilla showing up was not as epic as other films but i do like how the japanese self-defense force was like right on it like as soon as he showed up they're just blasting his ass with anything even though it didn't really do anything but i do like how now they're just like just attack like no no waiting no talking just hit him with everything right wait till he surfaces yeah and then Fucking dynamic, how, like, they show, like, they're, because this has been done so much, like, they actually, like, really emphasize the editing, the camera work, just to make this not look like the previous ones. Yeah, just some really cool stuff. There's some really cool stuff. Like, when they, when they launch all those missiles, and you've got the guy on the ground who has nothing to do with the actual defense force, he's just, uh, getting people to safety, um, who are, you know, he's helping to to usher people who are being evacuated and he just sort of looks up in the air and you see like 40 missiles all like going over and you know it does jack shit to actually defeat Godzilla but it looks really cool yeah. um and uh yeah appreciated that definitely yeah. definitely still you know, yeah. you know and and that's the thing like the overall quality of these movies even if it isn't quite as good as against Mechagodzilla, it's still like they're yeah. really trying yeah. hard. It's like, you know? This is a fucking movie. This is there was a director, there was a cameraman, right. special effects people. They were all saying we're making a fucking movie to go into theaters that people can watch, eat their popcorn or you know sushi, whatever. Well, it comes yeah. back to that thing, the phrase that they're making choices. Yeah. They're not just relying on what's come before, and they're like, well, okay, yes. We've had the scene where he gets missiles fired at him a million times. What can we do? Or they're saying, how can we show that in a way that's never been seen before? Well, it's never been seen from a bystander who's just doing his thing and then seeing the missiles launch. Okay, well, let's do that. You know, they're still searching for new ways to tell the story. And creatively, too. It wasn't, you know, well, you know, Rodan's never been introduced in a wide shot, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sit, like, yeah, cinematically let, correctly. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just like, uh, yeah, let, let's have uh, Dino or Rodan, whatever its name is, just fly in and, and be in the, the left corner. You know? Yeah, just have him land right there. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. And Thanks, he's, Bill. He's been flying around a lot. He's very tired. And then he just flops over. And maybe he takes a nap for a good 30, 40 seconds. Oh, Carl, don't you think we should uh, cut the shot? No, no. Just have him lay on the ground for 40 seconds. And then maybe he can wiggle a little bit and get himself back up on his feet. You get some wires and hoist him up. I don't fuck it. Anyone want a sandwich? I'm getting a sandwich. All right. Um, so, yes. Godzilla is back, and he is fighting buildings, and they are all losing again. 
Yeah. Uh, so Mothra shows up uh, as uh, as foretold by the Dickite fairies uh, and begins wailing on Godzilla uh, in pretty much the same way at this point as Mothra versus Godzilla. You know, just laying a level of, you know, whoop-ass yeah. on him. You know, doing everything. Godzilla fights back as hard, you know, rips off a leg, you know, tosses Mothra aside. You know, I just figured out what pisses me off about the fairies' ultimatum so much, and that is that Mothra can't really defeat Godzilla. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Their deal, it's a false deal. Yeah. It doesn't work. Unless you have the caterpillar twins that can do their webbing and, like, the way they actually defeat Godzilla at the end of Mothra versus Godzilla. But, like, they... The humans don't know about that, and yeah. I don't think the, the fairy twins, they're shocked that there's two Mothra larvae in the egg, you know? So, yeah. basically, what they are promising is that Mothra, and in my mind, that means the full moth form of Mothra, mm. can come in and stop Godzilla, and that will protect Japan. Mm. And it can't. I'm sorry, it can't. It can fight Godzilla for a while. It can put on a good show. It can deplete its little scales, and everything gets magical and windy. But, like... It can even pick them up and throw them into buildings, which it does a couple times, and that's that's great. But Mothra, the moss form of it, is not strong enough to actually defeat Godzilla. So, basically, the fairies are out of their minds. And it seems like this fight goes on for hours in the film. It goes from afternoon to night. And she still does nothing. Godzilla yeah, is just, Godzilla doesn't get tired because he can't get he's tired. Just frustrated. He's Mothra just frustrated. Mothra uses its final defense, right, the right. scales. Yeah, Mothra's like slowly dying. Godzilla's fine, you know, he's just distracted. Hmm. But like, he he looks no worse for the wear. Yeah. Mothra's like, half of its wing is tore off. Godzilla bites off one of its legs. And what makes Mothra versus Godzilla the superior film is the fact that the fairies in that one, almost like pimps. And it's just like, eh, why, why should we help you? Yeah. Why should we help you? They don't want to get involved. That's it's the last like, thing. Yeah. You, you kind of nuked us, you know? Everyone here is dying. That, and, that, yeah, you know? that relationship makes infinitely more sense. Because it's not like they're going and saying, like... It, it would be like Mothra Gods versus Godzilla if there was no egg involved. If it was yeah. just like Godzilla just woke up in Nagoya... And just started trashing everything, and then the fairies came to shore and be like, you know, don't defend yourself, Japan. And then Mothra, came, like, it doesn't make any sense, you yeah. know, like, they, Mothra can't defeat Godzilla. Yeah, and <laughs> they eventually not, find that out. Not in that state. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And they eventually that's what pissed me, that's, that, yeah, that, yeah. sorry, that little point didn't quite click in, but I'm like, wait a minute, their deal doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Yeah, like they're basically guaranteeing that. Mothra yeah, it's can like guaranteed protection. Yeah. Hey, you got yeah. some Godzilla-related difficulties. We got a big moth. We'll come in here. Put on a big show. You know, the scales will come off. It'll be great. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah. We've got the just uh, they can't one. Back, they can't back up their own promises. You know. Well, remember, it's like selling a car or uh, upselling popcorn. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's it, it's not necessarily telling the truth. It's making sure that they know, or that it's making sure that whoever you're trying to sell this to does not know the truth. They, I would I would like to mention that after Godzilla and Mothra have been fighting for what appears to have been five or six hours, mm-hmm. 
uh, the third in command of the Japanese Defense Force, finally comes to the stunning realization that it was, in fact, Mothra fighting the two jets earlier in the film. He's an idiot. Obviously, it's Mothra. But they, they, that's like a separate scene where he's like, wait a minute, that was Mothra! And, like, no one's, like, really looking at him or just like, yeah, Bill, we all kind of figured that out instantly uh, back when it was still daytime. Um, so I, I don't know why they put that in the movie, uh, but they went out of their way to film that scene, so I don't know anymore. But then immediately after that, the prime minister's like, now we must deplete or now we must unleash... Kiru, because he suddenly feels guilty because Mothra's getting its ass kicked so much. Yeah. He's like, Mothra came here to help us, we should help him, or whatever. So, yeah. like... Uh, if it had been less threatening what the fairy said and said, you know, you must retire, Kiru, and then it would have been just the struggle, but then it yes, seems... Yes, that would have made a better movie, and that would have made much more sense if it was just like... Because uh, that's the way I felt it was, at least in the Japanese version. Yeah, maybe, like maybe the, the it's the language like it's almost like they're forced to help Mothra yeah. out. I mean, I think it was a good point for or a good idea for them to unleash Mechagodzilla at that point. Yeah, because Godzilla was as wounded and distracted as he was ever going to be. Yeah, I thought it was going to take two weeks for the repairs to be finished. All of a sudden, they're like, "Oh, Mechagodzilla's ready." But they had no choice. They had no choice. Hmm. You know, what choice did they have? Did they ever explain why they uh, substituted the Absolute Zero Cannon? Because it was... They they They, couldn't have a diamond They needed, Yeah, they Ah, needed a diamond the uh, size of Riley in order to (laughs) fix (laughs) Mecha-G. And uh, Merv's diamond importers, unfortunately, did not have the diamond necessary. Merv's Uh. diamond importers, we exploit the finest... South Africans to get you bling. <laughs> Mervs. Blood diamonds. <laughs> blood, blood diamonds. One of the many, many times Leonardo DiCaprio has been denied the Best Actor Academy Award. He wasn't yeah. even nominated for that, I don't think. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, uh, yeah, so that's why he doesn't have the absolute zero gun. But there were so many occasions in this movie where if they just had the fucking absolute zero gun, they could have killed Godzilla once and for all. But then there comes the struggle, and that's like how we keep things interesting. It's like, oh, wait, now we have to defeat it without the absolute zero cannon. Raising the stairs. What, like the uh, tri-maser? Tri-maser. tri-maser. Um, so yeah, Mothra's getting his ass kicked, the ghosts slash gods slash whatever fairies are on Infant Island, they're just praying their little hearts out, and they, they get that egg to hatch, and to their surprise, there are in, ta- in fact two Mothra twin larvae, uh, mm-hmm. they make a beeline to Tokyo, uh, meanwhile, they deploy Kiru yet again, and this new pilot in the White Heron is having some having some fun again. This is the guy piloting the the um, Kiru this time hates our main character Yoshi because of reasons. Yeah. So this is sort of like the antagonistic, you know, uh, I hate your guts, but now we're forced to work together thing going on. And he's like, out of my way, asshole! Now I'm going to show Godzilla who's boss or whatever. <laughs> and uh, you know. He fights Godzilla, and this is a spectacular fight, and it's oh, a satisfying yeah. fight. And it's, oh, I think 
It's like you. you uh, it's you, at least on par with the fight at the end of against Mechagodzilla. And and they make it quicker. It's just like we 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 know yeah. what we we know what he can do. In the last one, they 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 showed what he can do. They add new stuff. Right. You know, they they up it. They make him a little bit more agile. So yeah. the fighting, you know, the speed is increased. Yeah. You know, we already know what he can do, but now we're surprised because it's like, oh, we can do a few more things. Right. You know. In particular, I appreciated the fact that he does the uh, he flips Godzilla over back, his back. back yeah. Or uh, as Jr. would say, it's the superplex. He's doing a damn superplex out of <laughs> my god. This man is indestructible. Um, you know, like it's uh, also the and I thought this was really smart. And I don't know if they did this intentionally, but the um, like back in the seventies, Mechagodzilla when he was getting ready to fire his fingertip missiles, he would kind of r- deliberately raise his arm up with his hand tilted sort of uh, vertically, and then he would rotate it. Uh, so it was then ho- the fingers were splayed out horizontally, and then the missiles would, would fire out of his fingertips. In this, they do the same motion. You know, his arm raises up deliberately, pointing at Godzilla, and then you flash to the fucking pilot, and there's a button that says rotate, and you're like, oh, this is going to be awesome. He's going to hit rotate, and then, you know, the hand is going to splay out, you know, horizontally and fire the missiles again. It's going to be a really cool sort of callback slash improvement, like reference or whatever. But instead, the hand rotates around and turns into this drill bit thing that he then shoves into Godzilla's oh. abdomen and like drills into him and it's like I mean I wish they would have been using that the entire time because <laughs> yeah. it looks like it could have if they had if that had been the weapon that they led with yeah. they probably could have decapitated Godzilla you know like but anyways it does a lot of damage to him and that was a very cool example of the film Again, I'm not sure if anyone involved in this movie has even seen the two Mechagodzilla movies. Uh, I know I have, but like that was that was nice of them to put that in there, intentional or not. Um, yeah, and I like the the drill weapon. That was this cool. Whole fight was just hardcore. Yeah, I mean Godzilla hardcore less drilling. of a fuck, just like blowing through a building. Yeah. to hit Mechag. And then walking through the building right afterwards. Yeah, the collateral damage was off the scale. Yeah, in this in this battle, and and Kiru was not trying to preserve buildings at all. I mean, they throw each other through the Diet building. I think Mechagodzilla initiates that move where they're they're next to the Capitol building of Japan, and and, you knew that was coming down. and, and Kiru and you knew it was coming down, but like Kiru just you know body slams Godzilla through the Capitol building. It's like, just go the other direction and save the Capitol building. That's fine. Um, and it's awesome, you know. It's it's wonderful destruction and, and well-filmed, and it's a great fight. Great fight.
and the the twins, uh, the twin Mothra uh, larvae, yeah. uh, fresh from escaping from uh, Brian Singer's house. Oh, <laughs> oh Brian. <laughs> Brian, how could you? <laughs> oh no! They go. To, <laughs> they oh, go no. to. <laughs> they they make it to Tokyo. They make landfall while the parent is still alive, uh, and like basically just, you know, dying. Uh, and they briefly meet up with it. Uh, Godzilla tries to kill them, but the parent sacrifices itself. Good. You know, for there, and it goes up. You know, <laughs> it just goes up in a bonfire <laughs> like of these, vanity. These three just suck. Like they suck together. It's a three-on-one handicap match. Like this whole, <laughs> the whole fight scene just seems like WrestleMania. Like I, I mean, mean, it's a four-on-one if you count both yeah. Larvae as a separate monster and Mothra and Kiru all fighting Godzilla, all getting almost destroyed, and he's handling them too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's not even breaking a sweat. Yeah. Um, Kiru at one point gets blasted in the face by nuclear breath, and this I thought was sort of interesting that like it gets knocked down, and I guess they lose power to it, and then it's Yoshi's. It's it's like it's this brainstorm that he comes up with. He's like, wait a minute, I'm a mechanic. Kiru is a machine, mechanic, machine, mechanic, machine. No, no, hold up, hold up, hold up. Uh, mechanics can f- fix machines. I should fix this Kiru. That way, Kiru could keep fighting Godzilla. Yeah. And he, he comes to the Prime Minister with this admittedly brain buster of a scheme. And he's like, now, let me explain this to you a third time, and I'll slow it down a little bit. <laughs> Kiru is a machine. I'm a mechanic. I can fix Kiru. And finally, after using a charticle and some hand puppets and some other, some action figures, the Prime Minister's like, so you're saying you could fix Mechagodzilla and he could keep fighting because it's a robot. And they're like, yes. And he tells the rest of the staff, and they are, of course, baffled, uh, but they go along with this risky idea of of, uh, fixing the fucking robot that they built. And uh, I'm sorry, I'm employing sarcasm right now. Why wouldn't they immediately deploy, like, 200 mechanics to fix Kiru? Like, why was, Why isn't that a standard part of the fucking... Never mind. Because they didn't wait two weeks. Yeah, That's okay, okay. Yeah, I guess because they didn't get the final check. Yeah. They <laughs> forgot that it was a robot and that they built it. All right, so anyways, but so Yoshi... the bottom of the check. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was the last thing. Uh, you know, so Yoshi remembers that he can fix it, and he's like, let me fix it, and they're like, oh, yeah, great idea, and they go in, and they, uh, they, they sort of, um, bust him in a bit of the ways. This is after Tokyo Tower has fallen over on Grandpa and the, and the kid. And killed him. <laughs> and, uh, Yoshi spends a half an hour in a, uh, sort of, um, I don't know. What what kind of color reddish orangish uh, element yeah. uh, driving around um, looking for it and um, it's the same type of car that Nate's sister Margaret drives it's a completely fucking insane coincidence <laughs> yeah I mean, it's the exact same car and the fact that I picked it out for her had nothing nothing did you was that what <laughs> you were just like I want to be like Yoshi <laughs> anyways that's an insane coincidence um, 
But anyways, after all that, we, I'm sorry, we completely skipped over that. Grandpa has Tokyo Tower fall on him, and he's fine. Yeah. Because he's tough. He's from <laughs> he's the Showa tough. movies. Yeah. <laughs> and, um... You had to be tough to work under Mr. Honda. First. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, he's used to Honda, like, saying, oh, Mr. Honda, I, I, I need to sleep tonight. I haven't rested for three days, and Honda throwing scalding hot coffee in his face. Just like, uh, now, you listen here. I don't care if you worked for Naruse before. You work for me now. Listen. We have three kaiju movies to do. Listen. One in the morning, one in the afternoon, and one at night. <laughs> we are simultaneously shooting four movies, and I have to be in Atlantic City by four o'clock because I am putting it all on 21 black. <laughs> <laughs> Do you understand? I am a gambling addict. Uh, that's fine. That's no problem. Um, it's a bit of a callback. Anyways, so yes, Grandpa is fine even though Tokyo Tower fell on him and he, Yoshi finds them in his orange uh, you know, element car and uh, that's all in the past. Then Yoshi, independently from everyone else, comes up with the idea to fix Kiru. They try and get him as close as possible in uh, vehicles, but there's uh, debris blocking their way. So Yoshi steals a motorcycle and goes into the subway system of uh, Japan. Uh, that works for a while, but then, uh, unfortunately, there's some more debris that's knocked down. And his magical MacGuffin suitcase that can fix Kiru uh, gets covered by more debris. And the uh, the fairies come out and say, well, you know, this is the way. And, you know, they, they pray and uh, they uncover the, the, the suitcase. And then um, and show him the way. They lead the way up to the street level again. So now they're on Mechagodzilla side. Yeah, now they're on Mechagodzilla Godzilla side. They've che- they switched teams. Well, they have. They, they have Mothra to has some... exploded at this point. Well, so they have like... to grow too. Yeah, I mean the thing is, it, they it, have a character arc. Yeah, so I maybe mean... they see the error of their ways. Yeah, unkillable monsters that they are. Yeah, the <laughs> fairies cannot be defeated. <laughs> they can be captured, but only by Nelson. And Kumayama. <laughs> the great entrepreneur. Exactly. You made me borrow my own money and charged <laughs> interest. interest. Um, so, yeah. Sorry. We're, Best we're losing ever. We're losing our minds. So, yes. Um, then, yes, he goes into Kiru and, like, repairs it. But it's one-eyed now. And he gets trapped inside of it. Because, like, uh, the door gets jammed. Because Godzilla hits it or something, so it's like bent, so it won't. You can't open it manually. Manual override doesn't work. So he basically Kiru is fixed and can fight Godzilla again. But now Yoshi is trapped inside of it. Um, at the same time, the Mothra larvae are fighting Godzilla, and they I have uh, one of them clamps itself onto the end of Godzilla's tail, and he throws it about, you know, whips it into a couple of buildings. It's pretty awesome. They can't really do anything other than take extreme amounts of punishment. (laughs) At one point, Godzilla hits one with a steel chair, and it's just, Oh my god, that's sickening food against the skull of the Mothra larvae! This is sick! Someone stop the damn match! And, uh, you know, they keep fighting, and um, then... Kiru shows up and takes down Godzilla. 
um, knocks him down, and, well, actually, he's been covered by webbing. I can't f- remember quite how it ends. At some point, Godzilla gets covered in webbing, and, um... Yeah, because that's when he makes the, uh, the killing, well, kind of like the final blow with the drill. Yeah, he, he he's about, he's, like, closing in for the kill, but then Yoshi has, like, a psychic mind meld with Kiru. Yeah, there we go. Where they that. actually go back... And show the scene from the last movie where basically the same thing happened again. Mm-hmm. Uh, with They actually show Akane for a second. And she's screaming, no! Or whatever. And that scene, even though that's out of context, like, you know, they kind of use it. Um, and so that's when Kiru, like, is about to hit the webbed-up Godzilla with the triple maser, but then... Instead, breaks free of the controls. And there was a second there where I was like, yes, because I couldn't quite remember. I thought maybe he's going to turn back and nuke all of Tokyo with the, uh, (laughs) with the trip, with the tri-maser. I'm like, that would make this like by far the best Godzilla movie ever. Shit just got real. Yeah. Like, but no, he, he takes out sort of these hook things and then he kind of walks over and gives Godzilla sort of a hug and like kind of, you know, uh, clamps onto him. It turns out that's all God need, Godzilla needed. He just needed a hug. Just needed, he just needed a hug. Um, and then he takes off with the jets over the ocean. Then we move into the final stage of this third act. Where things get even more ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just wish that they had some sort of backup plan when shit like this happens, you know, like you should have known from the, from the last time this happened, that this might just happen again. We might need to have some sort of backup. So when this happens, we can finally finish him off when we have the chance. They don't know how to finish him. See, they didn't have that extra two weeks. Yeah. That <laughs> to finish it, to finish out, you know, their finishing move, you know, yeah. where mm-hmm. Kiru just goes, come over here and like rips, Godzilla's heart out. They should have tracked down the big crab from Space Amoeba and just had that as a backup. Put it in a blimp and then just pop the blimp and have it fall down on Godzilla. Something. Fatality. Flawless victory. Fatality. Flawless um, victory. Clawless. No, that would have... Well, it wouldn't have been clawless. It would have been a big crab. Um, so, yeah, Godzilla is, is sort of cocooned and in this death embrace of of kiru they're flying over to the uh japan trench and uh yoshi is still inside um and kiru kind of understands psychically what's happening and uh uh yoshi's girlfriend who is piloting one of the heroes or herons the white herons is flying nearby and kind of closes in and uh, is, is talking to Yoshi. And Yoshi's like prepared to die uh, with with the monsters. And um, she's like, bullshit, get off my watch. I got you know, enough on my conscience today without having to deal with your death or whatever. And she shoots the, uh, the door to have it open up. She blows off the hatch. And then Kiru, again, psychically tapping into the universe and nature... Uh, sort of turns over so that Yoshi falls out of uh, of Kiru, and then uh, Yoshi's girlfriend pilots the plane 
to like a couple thousand meters behind and uh, I don't know, a distance below it. Anyways, Yoshi falls out of Kiru and and I should say Kiru's girlfriend, the co-pilot, is the asshole guy who hates uh, Yoshi for no reason at all. (laughs) He, the asshole guy, ejects from the White Heron and shoots out of it as Yoshi is flying above them and his ejector seat intercepts Yoshi's falling and he he catches Yoshi and uh and then the parachute goes up and he he saves him it's like the most amazing thing i've ever seen a lot of love there's a lot scene. of love yeah. you know yeah, a lot of you, hugging yeah i but think did you guys catch uh on the screen like before he falls out of kiru like uh, on the screen it says uh, sayonara yoshito it, it, yeah what is that that's cute saying that? like, goodbye how do you have this connection with the, like i hate when they do this when a human feels oh well now i have this connection with a machine or a giant monster well that's the point i think it was about time something like that happened i mean this is kind of close to the evangelion like storylines where you become so attached to this monster-like android that you begin to have a link with it. I think Evangelion did it better, most certainly, uh, but I think that was a concept they were trying to play with. So Yoshi, at this point, finally receives Akane's level, in fact, even more level of growth, where he finally grows to understand... The machine falling for the human... Or not falling for, but growing to have an appreciation for the human. I mean, that's a concept that dates back to, I mean, if you want to go back even to the 60s, you've got Twilight Zone episode where from Agnes with Love, written by Richard Matheson, directed by Richard Donner, where the computer falls in love yeah. with the guy to an extent where it drives him insane, you know. But, like, this is a more, and and there's there's definitely, even before that, you go back to the, you know, Oh, since machines have been around, there's always been stories of machines developing a consciousness uh, and having an opinion either one way or the other for their operators. You know, mm. That's a classic thing. And I agree with Nate. Quite frankly, at this point, if I didn't get some type of communication from uh, Kiru, I would feel sort of cheated as an audience member because it's, you know, it's, it's maneuvering to help out Yoshi so he can fall out of it. And it's twice now shown enough consciousness to move on its own and do this stuff so i think even though it's done in sort of a cheesy way uh you know i didn't have a problem with it at all i thought it was extremely appropriate and well-timed and well he's well only done. been in the machine for 15 minutes well there but, but the he'd been working on it for six years ah, ah, okay right, right we right. just didn't see him working on it in the previous film mm-hmm. had we had this probably the ending probably would have received had a better we we may have believed it more. Yeah, it would have been it would have been a solid. Right, you know th- this is just kind of like, and that goes to the nature yeah. of it being a sequel, and it's yeah. all sort of tacked on. Yeah. And now, like, there's this emotional package that, quite frankly, they're borrowing from yeah. Akane. And, uh, it, and it's not like episode or you know Empire Strikes Back where they had three years to get a good plot and a two hour plus time frame to get all this emotion out. Right. You know, this is, you know, I think only 10 minutes longer. No, more like three minutes longer than the previous film. That was like, what, 80? It's not, it's not, it's 91 minutes. Yes, this is 91 minutes, and the last one was like 88. So, Mm -hmm. like, 
very, you know, it's only only so much is being elaborated on. Yeah. So, I I was okay with that. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely crazier things that happen in Godzilla movies and in this Godzilla movie in general. Like when that third in command guy was like, "Wait a minute, that was Mothra." <laughs> yeah, Bill. We yeah. all kind of He's probably still trying to... <laughs> He's like, so now. I know that's Mothra now, but what's this big thing with the scales that keep breathing fire? That's Godzilla, Bill. That's I'm pretty uh, sure that character is probably going to be talking at one point to Brian Cranston, and Brian Cranston in this next movie is just going to deck him. Right. You know. well, yeah, that, that'll be with Brian... <laughs> <laughs> That'll be when Brian Cranston's character pauses to put in some halls of medicine throat lozenges because he has to scream every single line he says, They're going to take us back to the Stone Age! <laughs> All right, Brian Cranston. Look, I know you were on Breaking Bad for several years, but let's remember when you were the funny guy on Malcolm in the Middle. It's not all, it's not, it hasn't been a, it be a damn scream-a-thon. All right? Yeah, it's still probably going to be pretty good, even though Akira Takarada's not in it. Yeah. Fucking Hollywood. Uh, no, no, <laughs> That's the thing. As much as we could trash these movies, yeah, the Japanese film system, whether you call it the director system or whatever, they seem to have a lot more, I guess, freedom in some ways to experiment with ideas. And like, yeah, sometimes they're complete crap. Sometimes they're a full-on stinky right. son of Godzilla. But, you know, it, at least... With the son of Godzilla in the same franchise as the original Godzilla or this film, you know, the fact that they can change, they can come up with better ideas. Hollywood still, like, unless it's the Marvel series, they really are not willing to risk anything. And that's why yeah. it's bad sequel after bad sequel and, you know, dumb remake and the Peabody and fucking Sherman film. Well, well <laughs> let's leave Peabody and Mr. Sherman out of this. I've heard it was pretty good, and I like Peabody and Mr. Sherman. I do, too. In the cartoon form. I mean... On television. Yeah. But I've heard it was it doesn't betray its roots. Um, you know, that whole Rocking Bullwinkle was a key step towards The Simpsons. So, you leave them alone. All right. <laughs> but, I, you know, I agree with you. It could have been a disaster. Yeah. I heard it wasn't bad. But you're exactly correct. It is the environment that breeds movies like, yeah. you know. Or the Smurfs. Or the Smurfs. The Smurfs. Okay, the Smurfs. That's garbage. garbage. Yeah, that's pure, that's garbage. pure shit, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's just because we have this, uh, we, we own this uh, intellectual property, and we are trying to make as much money with it. But we don't really want to work hard. And so that's that's where you get the Smurfs. Yes. Anyways, join us next week when Mike and I go over the best love songs of the 70s, uh, starting with Barry White. <laughs> oh, oh, I, oh, I'm no, sorry. No. I mean... Uh... <laughs> no. What are we reviewing next week? Oh, yeah. Godzilla Final Wars. Final Wars. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. I guess we're going to have to sit down and put some serious thought into what the future of this broadcast is going to look like. Um, and those those discussions are being made behind the scenes as we speak, but it is true. Uh, we are closing in on what appears to be, for now, the end of the uh, the Godzilla films, so we'll keep you posted, and uh, yes, 
definitely to stand by for that. I don't know. Um, closing thoughts, Mr. Bacon, on Tokyo SOS? I'd like to say, when you have an opportunity to kill, do it. Just in general, in life. <laughs> I, I will say, because you know some of our more um, devoted uh, listeners will most likely point out that there is a stinger at the end credits, and we should say that Kiro does crash Godzilla into the bottom of the Japan Trench, and at the end of the credits, you do see it flashes back to 1999 for some reason, and you see a little bit of the... I mean, I thought it was either Godzilla's DNA, or maybe a new oxygen destroyer, or something... I looked it up. Uh, according to Wikipedia, it says it's the DNA of thousands of Toho kaiju, which to my understanding, there's only 50 kaiju or maybe less. So well, the problem is that isn't revealed in the movie. It's kind of like... It's a stinger, and it's yeah. a polite uh, non-starter of a stinger. It's like, yeah. so? Yeah, like you're if, just showing us part of the set. If it had been like a cloning vat filled with like uh embryotic Godzilla, Mothra, Anguirus. If like yeah, I if would it, if it beat off to that. Like if it was a door opening up and it was like a Mecha Gorosaurus. Yeah. And like a you know like a Mecha um King Kong. King sure. Kong. Bring you know, get Dr. X in there. Get Mecha King Kong going or or something like that. Like maybe if this thing would have been would have been like now we're gonna go to Skull Island, <laughs> you know, to see what we can find there. Um, and this is just, but this is just like you're just again you're just filming part of the set from the last movie. This is not that's not how, you know, the 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 the, the art of the Stinger was still in its yeah. infancy at that point. We yeah. were about four years out from Iron Man mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So they didn't really know what the hell was going on. And this scene leads to nothing. Yeah, I mean, and again, this is like yeah. the end of the Millennium series. So, for all intents and purposes, so, um, there, so there was just a bunch of monster. They show a vial. Yeah, yeah, they show a vial, and then some doors close, and some voiceover about let's do some experiments or something, which I took for meaning let's start building Kiru because it does take five years to build it. So that would actually make sense mathematically if they started in 1999. Yeah. Uh, but again, who knows what the hell was yeah. happening there? Um, that I think I have to I have to say is like the weakest part of the film. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. it wasn't until this viewing I actually watched the end because even though I usually watch credits all the way to the end, I either never watched or completely forgot about <laughs> this. Probably because it it was so just didn't in, matter. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm sure some people out there will talk about, oh, it's part of the expanded Godzilla universe or something in like a, a manga spinoff or something like that. But uh, that's bullshit because if it's not in the movie, if it can't be explained or implied in the movie properly, then it it's do- fucking bullshit. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't matter. You like, know? like General Grievous. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry, Timothy's on. You know, the last command heir to the empire. According to Georgie Porgy, did not happen. That was earlier this week. If you know what I'm talking about, fine. If not, fine. But I'm just really happy I never read any of those expanded universe novels because I saved a lot of time. Yeah. Anyways, um, Star Wars. Anyways, <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, look. Okay, as far as the entire 
uh, expanded universe of Star Wars being disavowed by Lucasfilm, I can tell you this. They're still allowing in everything, technically, to my understanding, uh, including that has Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, and Harrison Ford. Everything with them, still canon. Mm. And, of course, the prequels, but we don't care about them. So everything with those guys on film is canon. So guess what? That means the Star Wars Holiday Special is still canon. Yes! Yes! So we can expect a holographic performance of B. Arthur in Episode 7? They they better be, or I will tear up my ticket and storm out of the theater. (laughs) Demand my money back. Um... So, yeah, this just turned into a Star Wars podcast for a second. Sorry, sorry about that. Is that where we're going? Uh, no. No. Um, <laughs> no, we, we, we wouldn't last in that. We, we, to, to, quote, there is, to quote Paradise Lost, better to rule in hell than serve in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what we created yeah, our own he, beautiful he, hell. He, so he selected the word hell after watching Godzilla vs. Gigan. And he was just <laughs> like, this, I've been hell. Um... <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> they say hell in a cell, these two men, Kang, are in hell. Um, so, yeah, I think next week, Final Wars, and definitely check us out on Facebook, definitely check us out on Twitter, where we tweet at least every time we put up a new episode, if not more. Um, and the Tumblr account still exists, to my knowledge. <laughs> if it has ceased to exist, I have not been informed, but would not be surprised. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Maybe a GeoCities. GeoCities? Cities, like the ProValues website. Yeah, the ProValues, I think. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. If you like what we're doing, subscribe to us on iTunes for free, or we're also on Podbean. Um... Yeah, like us on Facebook. Give us a comment. Follow us on Twitter. Rate Tell us how we're doing. On iTunes. Rate, Rate us. Yes. Review us. Hey, if you think we're too long in the tooth, too many JR references, first of all, that's your problem. But, like, <laughs> if you have some problems with the show, uh, you know, let us know. Yeah. If you like the show, let us know that, too. We'd love to hear from you. You yeah. know, your opinion matters. Okay? So, uh Pleasure dropping in. Yeah. yeah. You know? Chris, it was great. It was great having you here again. And, um, you know, really, I think we didn't know you were coming. Well, I mean, I appreciate you guys opening the door. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and you, we're here, we're here to, to open doors for you, Chris, so. Oh. Oh. oh they. Oh. Okay. Oh, so oh, I guess oh, we'll, uh, all right, all right. yeah, uh, no, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you later. That's fine. That's, uh. Did you know he was coming here today? Uh, no, no. I mean, that was because it's raining, and he looked like he was just—he was just had a, a t-shirt and shorts on. Hmm. It's like forty-two degrees outside. Yeah. I don't know. I see. I thought it was—it was just me, or he seemed to be crying for most of the podcast. Oh, I forgot to turn my phone on. 